morning, church. It's been quite exciting going through this series with Greg and Lockie and now myself with the privilege of really kind of bringing it to a close. But as we think about this message, the end, it's, um, it's not something new. You know, that's in our name as a church, uh, Adventist, that we have really been formed on the whole goal of looking forward to Christ's second return. And so today, as we look at this, and uh, as we look at the last two weeks too, it's really just coming back to us with the hope. The hope is what? Looking up. Looking up to Jesus, who's, who's been here. He's come the first time, and now he's coming the second time. And, and that's good news. Good news if you know him. You know him as your Lord and Savior. You know him like a friend. And a good friend loves you, even though sometimes you might stuff up or, or do something wrong. But if you're a real friend, you're not going to continue doing that and hurting your friend. You're going to try to, hey, I'll, I'll, I'm sorry, and I'll, I'll try to do better. And so that's the challenge we have as Christians, is trying to get into this groove where we are keeping Jesus as a friend... But because we are sinners, we're continually failing him, continually finding that we don't measure up. And it's really hard. And most of us that have grown up Christian for a long time know this um, routine that we get into. And there's two traps, really, and I've, I've said this many times in sermons, is that either you feel like, oh, I'm pretty good. You know, I've straightened my life up. I haven't done any really bad things. And somehow thinking you're good enough, which will never be good enough. Or the other trap is just keep trying and trying and we keep failing and failing till finally you just give up. And those are both traps. Those are both traps that the evil one wants to get us caught up in. And so as we look at this topic of the end, you know, the end seems quite final, doesn't it? That word, the end, and, and that was really our goal as we... Uh, thought about how to present this because I think people are feeling uh, this at this year in 2020 more than ever because they're wondering what's happening, what's going on. And as we cover this topic, as we look at Matthew 24 and continue as we have been for the last few weeks, we'll see that this end is not nothing new. And sure, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but that doesn't mean that I'm here to tell you a date for the end, although. The important is to know that we are near the end. Now, when it comes to when did the end start, well, Matthew 24, Jesus speaks um, into this. And um, when Jesus came the first time, he came as a baby, but he came for a purpose. You know what it was? To save us. He came to pay the price for sin. Because if we go back to Adam and Eve, when sin came in, it blew the whole thing. And, and, and it, it's impacted us still today, some 6,000 years later. But God had a rescue plan. And straight away, as soon as Adam and Eve failed God, God didn't run away from them. God actually came, the next, that came to them to, to walk in the garden with them. But they, they felt because they had sinned, they had turned away from God, not God turned away from them, and they ran and hid. You see, that's still what we as human beings often do. We, we kind of think that somehow we don't deserve God, somehow because we failed Him, because we are sinners, that we need to hide. 
We can't hide from God. We can't hide anything. We need to just surrender. Surrender it all. We don't need to be living life through guilt and shame and regret. You know, it, it, that's not what it's about. It's about us trusting in Jesus who's done it all for us. And knowing Him as our friend and our Savior. And allowing that connection with Him to empower us through His Spirit to actually be overcomers and live better lives. There's a story I heard about a, a young boy, and he was fortunate enough to have a grandmother that lived just up the street. And he loved going to his grandmother's, especially at lunchtime, because at lunchtime, um, he would get to hear this big grandfather clock. And this is one of these old, great big grandfather clocks. I have a bit of a picture of something like this. And, you know, it would chime every hour on the hour, and it would ch chime according to the hour. So, you know, at 1 o'clock it would chime one time and two times and three times. And he loved being at his grandmother's house, not only for the good lunches she'd make him, but also so he could hear this thing chime and count the 12 times. And he's there one day, and he's counting the clock. But what he didn't know was that something was wrong with the inner mechanism of this clock. And he began counting 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20 before it stopped. And, and he was so excited, he couldn't believe it. And he ran to his grandmother. He says, Grandmother, Grandmother, it's later than it's ever been. And this really describes where we're living in the times right now. It's later, folks, than it's ever been, isn't it? It is. And, you know, you think, are we living in the time of the end? Well, really, we've been living in the time of the end. It really began when Jesus came the first time and finished that mission. Because when Jesus paid the price, we have really began entering the time of the end. And, of course, we know as we study some of the prophecies of Daniel and things that, you know, there's been significant times that shows that we're getting closer and closer. And so, in a way, I'd say we're now in the end of the end time. You know, we're, we really are. You know, as we look at these prophecies... Um, we see that, and uh, the Bible is full of these signs, and that's what we find here in Matthew 24. This is when the disciples asked Jesus, you know, how do we know? How do we know when you're coming again? And throughout Matthew 24, Jesus tries to explain this to them, and they didn't fully understand. But as we look back and reread this, there's some great, great insights, all sorts of signs. But unfortunately, you know, sometimes we don't see the signs or we ignore them. You know, and I've confessed before to the church that my um, driving is probably, um, I got a lead foot, okay? And, and I probably should obey the speed limits a bit more, although if you want to get me in a debate about it, I'll tell you that if everyone drove the exact same speed limit, it wouldn't flow good, you know? But, you know, you got to have a little bit of leeway. But listen, the signs are there. But there is a story I heard about a bridge being out. And um, cars would come around, it says bridge out, you know, and it was, there's um, barricades there to block people. Well, um, the, the, the workers were, were shocked as they came back the next morning, the bridge was out, and they saw where all these tracks where people had gone around the barriers, even though the sign was there saying bridge was out. And then they get to the bridge and they could see where they had to do a, a turnaround and come back. You know, it's like they didn't believe the sign. The bridge was out, you know, but we, they had to see it for themselves. And, and sometimes we, we, we don't see the signs and we, we just want to put it off or, or, you know, we don't take it by faith. But the fact is, folks, Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that?
Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? If you really believe it, your life's going to reflect it. And the one thing, the most important thing your life will reflect is that you have a relationship with your Savior, your Lord, your friend, Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. Now, some of you might be at a point where you're, you're questioning. And I know we find this a lot with young people. We all have to go through a point where we sort of ask questions. We doubt. Maybe, you know, I certainly went through that. You know, I went through a, a phase for many years where I thought, well, maybe I'm only a Christian. And maybe I'm only a Seventh-day Adventist Christian because I was raised that. And it was only after I asked lots of questions, I had lots of doubts, and I looked for myself to find the answers. And eventually I came back and I concluded, and I guess that's where faith then of, of your parents or someone else's becomes your faith as you accept that. But where do you go for truth, you know, in 2020? Well, I'll tell you where most people go. It's something, we got a few of them around our house, and our kids use it all the time. They simply say, hey, Google, you know, tell you anything you want to know. But I'm telling you the truth I'm sharing with you today, Google probably won't tell you. What I'm going to share today is in the inspired special book, the Bible. And I'm telling you, this is not just some random book. And if you're going through a, a phase where you're maybe questioning, you're, you've got doubt. If you're a young person, you're not sure you know, about all this Christianity stuff and this Bible stuff, don't stop asking questions. Keep looking, because there are answers. And there's so many things in this Bible that will give you the evidence you need to know this is not some random book. This is a book where God delivers truth. This is our owner's manual. This tells us where we've come from, what we're doing, and where we're going. It tells us all the answers we need to know. Now, there's certain godly concepts that, that we struggle with. Even when we think about this thing, the end. You know, the end. Well, you know, that's, what's the end? You know, what's the end of space? Is that one you've thought about? You know, it's still... Yeah, well, well, if there is an end of space, well, what's beyond that? Well, nothing? Well, you know, how can there be nothing? You know, that, that just messes with my head a bit. You know, the fact that God has always been and never had a start. You know, again, a heavenly concept I can't quite get my head around. You know, another thing that's a, a biblical concept that's hard to get our head around is the, the teaching of the truth, which the, the Bible teaches that God has three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I can't totally understand that, but I just accept it the best I can, and um, I apply it to my life, and I find that, you know, I can't explain everything, but there is enough things that I can set a foundation for my life, and that I can... Um, I have confidence in what I believe in. And we look at some of these signs as we go through Matthew 24, and you, you think, well, you know, when is Jesus is coming, and, and how can we know it's true? Well, well, I want to go back to some of the prophecies. You know, what is a prophecy? Well, a prophecy comes from a prophet. What's a prophet? Well, a true prophet is someone that God speaks through. And, you know, the Bible's full of major and minor prophets, and the Old Testament has many of them, you know. Isaiah, Joel, um, Jeremiah, there's lots of prophecies. And, and these prophecies were prophesied hundreds of years uh, about Jesus coming the first time. There's over 300 prophecies that says how Jesus would come and how he'd be born and um, that he would die and that he would resurrect. You know, over 300 prophecies. But do you know what? There are even more prophecies of that that tell us about his second coming. 
And I think one of the reasons for that, because he came the first time, as I said already, for one purpose, and that is to save us as our Savior. When he comes the second time, we need to be more ready. We need to be more ready than those disciples were. They, weren't, they, they didn't really have a clue. As you look at it, you think, you know, even as, as Jesus was talking to them here in Matthew 24, it kind of went, woo, they, they didn't really understand it. I think it was long after he left that all the puzzles started to fit together and they started to understand it. And uh, what they've written here is to help us. But when he's coming the second time, folks, he's coming as a judge. Now, that, that's a bit scary. I, I don't know if you've ever been to court. Um, I've been to traffic court. You would have guessed that, right? I remember once going, I actually didn't have to have a lawyer, but my dad came to stand beside me. He was like my lawyer. But I know enough about court. I've watched enough TV shows and stuff to know, you know, you know, a lawyer or your solicitor is who you have, and they, they go to court to defend you. They're there to help you to plead your case and hopefully get you off. And um, it can be quite scary. And when we think of judgment, you know, we think of being judged, a judge sitting at the court, God being the judge, and God's there, and, and we tremble. It can be fearful, but God's given us lots of things in his word. He continually says, it's one of the most common statements in the Bible, it says, don't fear, fear not. We don't need to fear. Why? Because Jesus came the first time, and he came as our Savior. And because he came the first time, we don't need to fear. Because Jesus, after he ascended back to heaven, after his resurrection, he's now in heaven interceding for us. And so in other words, he is our solicitor. He is our lawyer. Now, that's a pretty good solicitor. I wouldn't want any other. But here's the beauty part of it. Who's our judge? Well, God's our judge. Who is God? Well, we already said he's three parts. We don't fully understand it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So really, Jesus is my lawyer. He's also my judge. Is there any way we can lose? You can't. So do I need to be fearful? Absolutely not. If I know Jesus again as my Lord and my Savior and my friend. But so many of us go through life and we just, we're just we fearful. And I think it, it, it impacts our behavior. I know it does mine. Because I'm constantly up and down with somehow not, not feeling that I'm good enough. And again, it's just by daily surrendering on my knees and accepting Jesus and saying, God, you know, I've got this problem. You know, I got angry here. Um, I, I um, used this language. I was short with this person. You know, whatever it was. And, and God convicts me and it just I feel not worthy. But I'm reminded that Jesus came. And that he saves me and that he wants me to have that assurance. I don't need to fear. And, and when I get that, then, then I find I have an attitude change. It's like, you know, um, you, you've heard the saying, your altitude is, determines your, your attitude. You know, as I, as I rise up to God's level with him representing me, I, I get to a different level. But when we have this fear, you know, what we do is, is human nature, I think, to make us look better. We go around judging other people. I'm not as bad as her, or I'm not as bad as him. I didn't do that, so therefore it justifies you. Folks, we can never be good enough. We aren't justified by anything other than the blood of Jesus who was shed for our sins, and that's why he died. And I just want to drive that in. Because it's hard to, to get... We, as humans, I don't think we can totally understand it, but so many Christians that I know live their life without having that assurance 
And that's why it's fearful that Jesus is coming because they're not sure. And so when they pray, they say, dear Lord, help me to be ready when you come. You know, that's a different prayer than saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you that Jesus died for my sins. Thank you that because of Jesus, I'm inviting my heart and he's working in me, helping me to change and grow to be a better person. That I know that I'm saved, not because I'm good enough, but because of who I am in Christ. And again, that's something we've got to continue every day to get in it. You know, and I think then we're going to see these qualities in our, that, that we preached about in our last series about thriving and how in, in this pandemic, you know, we shouldn't be just surviving but thriving. Why? Because we're connected to Jesus. And when we're connected to Jesus, the vine, then the fruits of the Spirit come through our life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What beautiful things those are. Those are the things that we as Christians should be representing to the world. You know, Christianity is growing. And as we look at the uh, um, next verse here, I want to focus on, uh, I think, sorry, I clicked too many times. Here we go. So, the nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Now, I want to just, this is really to, to outline the, the signs What's pestilences? Well, that's a pandemic. It's disease. This is the first pandemic we've ever had. You know, they say there was, what, the Spanish flu. But even in my lifetime, I think back of what would be pestilences. You know, it's really diseases and things that often will cause death. You know, and I think back, there's been things like the um, bird flu, the the swine flu. I remember back in about 1998, there was this um, thing called... um, the mad cow disease. You guys remember that? And, um, but even if you go back to when I was in high school, when I was a junior in high school, that's grade 11, in 1981 that was, just a few years ago. But, you know, quite a pandemic hit. There's actually still here. Although we do have medicine for it, they've never had a cure for it. And it's called HIV, which is what leads to AIDS. And it still kills people. It still affects people around the world. There's never been a cure for it. Now, we don't know what's going to come of COVID-19. But all I want to say is, well, we need to be just looking to Jesus. You know, will there be a cure? We don't know. Will it be like AIDS? Will it continue to kill people and affect us? Will we get something that just helps us to, to, to manage it? Well, let's not get too worried about it. Let's keep living each day. Looking up to Jesus. Looking up. And this is really where the two verses that I want to focus on most today. Because in verses 14 of Matthew 24, it says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. So that all nations will hear it. And then, the end will come. Now, do you think this is happening it actually is. I actually, I even asked Google. I asked Google, what's the fastest growing religion in the world? It's actually Christianity. Christianity is growing faster than any other religion. Now, just because people claim to be Christian doesn't mean they're necessarily in a loving, saving relationship with Jesus. Again, it's not being a member of a church or coming to church or doing anything other than accepting Jesus. It's really our hearts. And so I know there's a lot of us here today that might not truly be accepting Jesus from our hearts. And I guess today I want to really plead with you to search deep. 
to make sure that you're being sincere, that you're putting aside your selfish, sinful nature enough to at least admit that you can't do it yourself and that you want to surrender to Jesus. When? Today. And tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Until that day when he does come. And when is that? Well, no one knows the day of the hour. It says that in Matthew 24. But it also says that we need to always be ready. How do you always be ready? Again, surrendering each day to Jesus. Then I'm ready. Because whether he comes in the clouds or for whatever reason my life comes to an end, Jesus has come. So it could be tomorrow. You know, none of us know when it's our last day on this earth. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to put it off till I see Jesus coming. Then I'll accept it. Then I'll accept Jesus. Folks, that's too late. And it also says there in Matthew 24, it talks about it being like in the days of Noah. And if you know the story of Noah, when the door was closed, the people suddenly realized, oh, this might be true. There's rain coming down. Started knocking and banging on the door. But you see, they weren't doing it because they were surrendering, because they were accepting God as their Lord and Savior. They were doing it because they were just wanting to look out for themselves. So again, it's surrendering to self. It's a battle we all have on a daily basis. And the more we face that, the more we realize that God can work through us because it's the more that he can change us. And he can change our hate into love. He can change our um, angriness and our meanness into being nice and gentle and some of those things that, again, we preached about in our last series. The good news about the kingdom. What's the good news? That is the gospel. The gospel is good news, and that is that Jesus came the first time as our Savior. That's the good news. Some 2,000 years ago. And the good news is that it's spreading fast. Some of the fastest growing areas of Christianity is within the Muslim movement and some of these countries where people haven't really heard the gospel. In Australia, there's probably few people that actually haven't heard it. So I suspect that, um, you know, we need to, to, to act. We need to do something because we're, it's coming to a close. You know, these devices and with the internet and things... The gospel is going out, being preached. I, I, I'm really convicted that this pandemic, with everything going online, is actually facilitating the gospel going out in a wider, in a way that's um, reaching people that it never has before because people are relying on technology for all their information. And we as Christians need to have a presence. And then the next verse, but the one who endures... To the end will be saved. Endures. It sounds a bit scary again. Endures. But what I think is saying there is endures means we endures the temptations of this earth. Because, face it, the devil makes things, pleasures seem quite attractive. And even though sometimes we know that the consequences of making this decision might not be the best, I'll, I'll be right. You know, I'll be right. I'll just do it once. 
For most of us know that's the way addictions and habits and things that drag us down, that stop us from being all that we should be. Because as Christians, we shouldn't be just being Christians and sitting there doing nothing. God says he's actually called us to be his disciples, to go and then spread this gospel. So it's, it's, it's up to us. And we can only do it if we're living it. And I just want to encourage us as a church family that we can be a church that God is living and working through. And again, the good news about the kingdom will be preached to the whole world. Well, we can preach to right around the world with the internet, but really the, where the rubber meets the road is really when we meet people face to face. Social distance, of course. But from one and a half meters, you can still share how much God's done in your life. You can still share your testimony from, from a social distancing space. You can say how God has turned your life around and given you hope, has taken away your fear, and that you are a new creation because of Him. This is exciting. Everyone who endures to the end will be saved. So can we know that we're saved? Absolutely. We can know it because we know Jesus again as our Lord and Savior and our friend. And the end is not really the end. It's a new beginning. And so the end is not scary because as Christians, what it's the end of is all bad. So all the bad stuff is going to be over. Pain, heartache, death, all the things that cause you pain and suffering that trouble you are gone. Now, I want to be part of that. And that means worry, too. And as humans, you know, some of us worry more than others, but, you know, I, my mom was a bad worrier, and, you know, it's only by me getting on my knees and trying to give it to God that I can start to deal with some of the worry that sometimes I, I wear. You know, again, God's going to help us. He's going to free us. He doesn't want us to continue living as slaves to sin. And so what? My, my call for you today is two things. Pray and look up. Why did I say pray first? Because prayer is a way of us actually accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and friend. And it needs to be a relationship that's done daily. And if you're not practicing a prayer life, I want to challenge you to start. And this isn't saying grace before the meal. That's nice, and it's good to thank God for a meal. But are you really having the one-on-one -on -one prayer time that Jesus did and that Jesus tells us to do, that we go into a room, we close the door when no one hears us, and we really bear all? Because that's where healing happens. That's where God can say, hey, I hear you. I know you're struggling with that. I know that's your weakness. I know you're tempted in that area. I know you don't really want to do it and you're doing it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you whatever way he leads you to. It might be through somebody. It might be through a program. It might be through a church. Whatever. But let him lead you. He knows the answers. You know, this is the amazing thing about God. He knows the end from the beginning. That's why these prophecies are so amazing in the Bible. Why we can have confidence that the Bible's true. Because this God, he knows the end, the beginning to the end. 
you know, that's, he knows what's going to happen before it happened. If we look at those prophecies in Daniel, you know, if you haven't studied Daniel, I'm not going to spend much time on it now, but if you, I want to encourage you to be part of this program this, uh, that Lockie's going to start on Wednesday. Now, Wednesday's going to be training you to then facilitate with your friends and stuff. So the following Wednesday and meeting in groups and going through some of this stuff. Studying these prophecies, studying this stuff that shows us that we can have the evidence. We can know that God's word is teaching us truth. It's not just hearsay. And so, as I conclude today, I want to ask you one final question. And I want you to think about it. I don't want you to raise your hand or even nod your head because it's a very personal question. But I want to ask you today... Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is He your friend? Do you have assurance? If not, I want to just encourage you. I want to encourage you. Don't put it off. Don't wait till the rain's coming down and you're trying to bang on the door. It's going to be too late. Now is the time of salvation. Now's the time to live for Him. Now's the time to step up and be the person he's called you to be. You know, it's kind of like a ship, a ship that's sinking. This world's like a ship and it's sinking. And Jesus is the lifeboat. And there's room on that lifeboat for every one of us. But we have to make the decision to step on board. To stop trying to tread water and, and do it ourselves because eventually we'll go under. Jesus wants nothing more than to be with us. That great promise in John 14, you know, it, it ends when he says he's going to prepare a place. It ends with a statement. Why? Because he wants to be with us. He loves us. Loves us more than we can even understand or even imagine. We don't need to fear. We need to have freedom in Jesus Christ. And so, folks, as you think about that question, are you living for him? Is your life fruitful or fruitless God wants to make it fruitful how again knowing Jesus being connected to him he's the vine we're the branches with him we can have his life going through us and I just pray as a church that we can be a church that fulfills our vision you know what that is I hope you know what we say it often to draw our community into the loving relationship with Jesus you know I like that the more I thought about that word draw and it came from the original mission statement that we had. And then we, had, we kept that word. But, you know, you can't push someone. All you can do is kind of lead by example. And people will be drawn. There's something about that person, you know. Something's changed. Something about their behavior. Something, something that maybe, maybe God can do that in me. You see, this doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Your testimony is a powerful thing. And you only have a testimony because you have assurance that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That He's working in you. He's transforming you daily. And you're being used by Him. And we as a church, what we want to do is facilitate that. We want this to be a church, the body of Christ, that is fulfilling the mission building disciples and more disciples building more disciples because Jesus is coming soon folks 
And I can't wait. And I'm not afraid. Why? Because again, I just fall to my knees and I surrender to Jesus. May we all keep doing that as we press forward. Praise God. Let's pray together. As, as I pray, I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes. And while our eyes are closed, I'm going to be the first one. I want to put my hand up. And I'm putting my hand up because I'm saying, Lord, I just want to surrender to you 100%. And Lord, I acknowledge that at times I'm only surrendering 70% or 80% or 90%. Lord, there's things I want to hold back. But Lord, I just want to give it all to you right now. And with everyone's eyes closed, if you just really want to say, whether it's your first time or you're just saying, Lord, I want to le- reach a deeper more committed level with you that's 100%. I want to invite you to, to raise your hands. And I want you to keep those hands up as I just pray a, pray a prayer as we close. Dear Lord, you know each person here. You knew them before they were even born. You have a purpose for their life. You have a future, not only on this earth, but eternally with you. And you long for that to be part. But we've got to make the choice daily choice to follow you. So Lord, I pray for all those hands are up here in this church. I pray for some that might be at home watching this live stream. Lord, I pray as you speak to their hearts that Lord, they can see too that this isn't just something that feels good. This is something that's reality. Reality, the answer to all the problems in this world. It's knowing Jesus because he's our creator. He made this world. And eventually, Lord, you're going to take us away and we're going to come back and you're going to come down in this new Jerusalem, this city that's a godly city. It's going to have streets of gold. It's going to be nothing like what we know. And Lord, we can all be part of that. But it's only through knowing Jesus. So Lord, we just give our hearts to you today. May it be a commitment we don't just make now, but we live with until you do come. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.